0: Carlson, Carlson, världens bästa Carlson, 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 Carlson. Hoj, här kommer Carlson. Carlson Carlson,
1: Carlson Ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Carlson, vill jag så bra som mig Carlson, Carlson, Carlson scores! Yeah! 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 yeah. 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 So. Welcome
0: everybody!
1: Buddies. Another episode of the Keep the Girls in Fantasy Hockey Podcast, the longest running fantasy hockey podcast in the world, hosted by two guys who are going to try to skill it up and hopefully not get punched in the face. I am your host, Elon Dubrovsky, and with me, as always, is my very good friend, the fantasy hockey robot, the poobah of prognostication, the IPP
2: MVP himself, Brian Com. Hello, Elon. Hello, everyone. Wow, what a playoff introduction from on all counts, Elon. I am fired up like much more so than I was about four, 45 seconds ago. I am just jacked. I'm ready to roll. Imagine someone listening to the show for the very first time. And that's what they get when they hit play. It's amazing. What a great intro. Best intro in podcasting. Thank you, Elon, for that. And thank you, Elon, for bringing you and your fantasy knowledge here to the show this week so we can help all our listeners uh, continue their quests fantasy hockey glory most of you are in your playoffs right now or heading towards the i mean we're we're into the last couple weeks of the fantasy hockey regular season three weeks from now is like the garbage time where teams start resting their players for the playoffs and making strange lineup choices that everyone gets mad about if they're still counted in your leagues but we are laser focused on doing whatever it takes to help you and whatever weeks are left in your fantasy leagues to bring home that gold
1: Yep, exactly. And we're going to mirror that sentiment in this episode because we're going to do things a little differently today. We're going to be a little loose. There's no point looking into some cold streak or some hot streak and really diving into the numbers of the time on ice over the whole season. Or, you know, if the person's been shooting above or below expectation, all we care about is this next week or these next two weeks. So we're going to be laser focused on what's like just happened. In fact, the plan for this week's episode is Brian and I are just going to do some scoreboard hopping. We're just going to look at the box scores from some of the games over the weekend see what happened and see if there's anything to read into it as we're deciding on our final moves that we're going to make for our fantasy playoffs so I'm really excited to try this This a new concept Uh, It's a a show that's less planned out and structured than we're used to, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So, Brian, I'm ready to get into it with you in just a sec. Of course, first, let's mention that one place where there's a ton of structure, but also a lot of fun off-the-cuff content. It's all there at DauberHockey.com. We're super proud to be presented by them and to have been presented by them all this season, all of the previous few seasons. It's a fantastic site to get everything you need to be successful in fantasy hockey. The articles every day, the daily ramblings, the tools at Frozen Tools just cannot be beat. Check it out, dabberhockey.com. If you're not going there, you're probably not as successful in fantasy as you can't be. But okay, Brian, let's get into it. So yeah, I'm thinking we're just going to look at the scores of some games since Friday and dive into who got points, who didn't, who maybe had a surprising amount of ice time, who p- played well, and see if there's anything we could read into it going into next week. I want to start with a game that happened on Friday with the Nashville Predators playing the Buffalo Sabres, because that was the Predators' last game of the week. So, you know, I'll try, we'll try to get the most recent game for most of these teams, but Nashville obviously had a slow week, which meant, like, we talked about on the last episode a lot of people might have been dropping predators you know because this was a do or die week for them and then now next week the predators play four times so now's your chance to jump up in and grab whatever predators you're impressed with though uh their last game they lost four to three to the buffalo sabers and, like, kind of how it's been for a while now, there's kind of nothing here, I think, in terms of players that you might be interested in that may also be available. Like, the top line has been Forsberg, Duchesne, and Johansson. I guess Johansson might be available in some leagues. He picked up a couple of assists, actually, in this game, including an assist on a Forsberg goal. Uh, Mikhail Granlund had a disappointing game. We talked about how he's kind of fallen off ever since he's gone off that top line. He's still on the top power play. Every once in a while he gets a point, but he's obviously a lot less exciting uh and by the way this is all for everyone listening a show where we haven't prepared the questions and answers in advance so brian has no idea what i'm going to ask him so we'll see how this goes but i'm thinking right now if i had granlin and johansson in my free agency i think i'd go johansson and i guess another possible guy that that could be of interest is tanner janeau right he's available in a bunch of leagues and he's scored all of these goals i think i'd have janeau over both of them right if we're trying to rank which predators to go after
2: I think so. I, you're looking for whoever is on the top line in Nashville. Like if you're talking about Ryan Johansson and Mikael Grandland, at one point they were both rosterable because Ryan Johansson was doing great things with like Yakov Trenin and Luke Kunin on what? you know, I guess, functioned as the second line in Nashville. But we liked Granlund then. And then uh, Johansson came up to the top line. And then we didn't like Granlund. And we liked Johansson. Then Johansson went back off. And we said, forget him. And now he's back on. So really... Uh, this is just like, it's like the Chandler Stevenson sort of situation. You want the guy on the top line, but if he's not on the top line, if he's not centering Matt Duchenne Philip Forsberg, there are few other places to produce in this Nashville depth chart. So that's why you do want to make sure you have the right Nashville centerman at all times, and right now the right Nashville centerman is Ryan Johansson. So yeah, go ahead and make sure you have him, and that you don't have Mikkel Granlund, although, you know, Granlund still is on the top power play unit. That's one thing Thing that uh, both these guys do hang on to as they are rotated off the top line but uh, there's still not necessarily consistent production coming uh, from that top power play deployment and then uh yeah tenors you know we've been talking about him pretty regularly for the last little while the goals keep coming He's now got uh, five goals in his last eight games. But the thing about that is they've come on, well, they came on 11 shots and they picked up three more and didn't score, but he had five goals on, on his last 14 shots. I'll include the last three shots that didn't go in just for fairness. So he's scoring more than he should. And there aren't a whole lot of assists coming either. And, I guess, why would there be? Because he's playing with Yakov Trenin and Colton Sisson. So Tanner Janot is someone who's had uh, some nice percentages working for him. He's been shooting 20% pretty much for his career, which is an even 82 games at this point, actually. And so we don't know if he is a a highly efficient converter or if he is going to regress to like half that. But the last time we talked about Cheneau on the show, it was that, well, he only takes one and a half shots per game. So even if he's converting 20% of the time, uh, you still have to wait a few games or you should have to wait a few games to see a goal from him with those shot rates. So not so terribly exciting, I think I'd probably consider him about even with non-line one Grenland. But of course, uh, going back to the main point of this, Ryan Johansson stands alone. Hmm. Okay. I don't know. I, I feel like I like Janot just because he seems to... Sc- I know you're saying with the percentages and all that, but like if you look at just the
1: total goals on the year, Janot scored more goals. If I'm going for goals and just basing it on what he's done so far...
2: Okay, but, but Grenland has more assists.
1: <laughs> I know, but goals yeah. are worth more in the c- couple. So okay. I guess it depends yeah. what you're going for.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, 41... 41- it's a, it's a lot more assist for Granlund. I, I, okay, I shouldn't argue. I, I get what you're no, saying. No, no. Yeah.
1: No, I get what you're saying. I think that that's a very good point. So uh, it's, it's a nice role at this point, but you're getting four games from a potential Nashville Predator. So I guess you can pick your poison between the three. All three are likely available in a bunch of leagues. Genoa obviously also gives you the hits.
2: Uh, Do you know Granlund also gets you some decent hits too? I'm, I'm not like, by the way, advocating hard for Mikael Granlund. I'm not that interested in both these guys, although their schedules are good. I'm just saying they're about eve- even. Uh, Granlund all of a sudden has decided to start hitting he had a run of 12 hits and three games recently which I know oh. Geno doesn't two. I get it so Geno, yeah more hits as many shots and more likely to score a goal and Granlin's your assist and power play point guy
1: Hey, yeah, I'm not trying to push you anyway, Brian. I want to get your opinion. You're right. Maybe Granlin is more likely to get you a point. Jano is just, I don't know, he's, he's felt so hot. Like, it, like I had him for a while, and then I dropped him when he was on a bit of a cold streak, and he started scoring a bunch of goals. And so maybe that was the reason why I was just like, I'm not going to let that happen to me again. And when he was a free agent for me, I was like, this time I'm getting him, and I'm, I'm holding on. So I'll, I'll die with Jano, or I'll uh, win with him. Uh, also on the Predator, Shane mentioned Eckholm here in the chat. By the way, Brian and I will definitely be up for suggestions from the chat of who to talk about. Because, like I said, it's more of a loose episode. But yeah, I've seen Matthias Ekholm is a guy who generally in fantasy has been worth rostering in a lot of leagues over the years, but this year was just like especially boring, not doing anything for a large chunk of the season. But I've seen recently his percent rostered has been increasing on Yahoo. I guess a lot of it due to a recent three assist game that he had, and also he's been taking some more shots randomly recently, like three and four shot games, and before he was like zero and one for pretty much the whole season. I've been pretty much completely uninterested in Ekholm, even with this recent stretch, just because I guess I've had the whole season to uh, convince me that he's not worth it. But is there anything here for this uh, four-game week?
2: For four games, if he keeps averaging over over his last 11 games, uh, you've got Ekholm averaging over three shots per game, 35 shots in 11 games. So maybe uh, if you want to see if he can keep those shot totals coming and then you have a chance at... point but honestly no greater chance than any of the other games Matisse Eckholm has really made a name for himself as being somebody who um is completely useless most of the time but sometimes goes super hot and is like the hottest thing in fantasy and he's not actually doing that this time he just had that one three-point night and this is actually his worst offensive season uh basically in the last five years he he hasn't paced for fewer than the 30 points he's pacing for right now in a full 82 games normally i would expect him to be closer to 35 or 40 points so uh yeah there's a chance he'll be better than he has been the rest of the way but that's still not necessarily fantasy relevant and you're really only interested in him if he is consistently uh, putting those three shots on goal through the week so I guess I take it one game at a time with him because uh, even the hits and blocks aren't there as you might expect from a defenseman who's known for his defensive prowess that's not the game he plays so lots of minutes and suddenly a few shots a night but like you said Elon, he's averaging like one one and a half shots per game before this nice little run he started so I would be wary of going out and adding Matthias Ekholm and expecting a, a whole lot of contributions to my roster Yeah, and then
1: here's something that we can't really advise on. You're obviously not going to drop UC Saros at this point in the season. You're going to ride with him. But it's kind of scary, probably, to have him at this point, just because out of nowhere, after an amazing season for almost the whole way through, he's been kind of bad over these last couple of weeks. In fact, in his last four starts, he's only had one game where he was above a 900 save percentage. He had a good game against the Sens, but that last game against Buffalo, he led in four goals and only made 35 saves, so uh, I don't know. It's uh, it's concerning, but again, what are you going to do about it at this point? You're obviously going to just hold on and hope he does better.
2: That's all you can do. You've ridden him this far. Uh, you know, he was doing huge things for the Predators all season long before the All-Star break, so basically going up to February 1st. He was a nine twenty seven goalie, had won 24 out of his uh, 38 games that he'd played, uh... 24 11 and three overtime losses that's an incredible record for a goalie on a team that wasn't expected to be that great you know you've got Philip Forsberg going off Roman yosi playing like a god and uh, Matt Duchesne sort of rejuvenated but all that together still didn't make the Predators a really great hockey team it was UC Saros, and that's Painfully clear now that he is a 906 in his last 19 starts going back to the second week of February with a 9 and 10 record. So the guy's sub 500, 906. And my note on sorrows as I was seeing this happen over the week was, you know, I wonder if his value is falling for drafts next year. Uh, you know, there's always the chance he's getting tired. In fact, Elon, a theme as I was going through box scores from games over this past weekend. There's a lot of goalies faltering right now. We'll talk about it through the show, but I wonder if a lot of them are hitting a wall and a lot of the ones who are faltering are, are guys who have played a lot of games or maybe just we weren't expecting to be that durable or sustainable. So uh, UC Saros, it, it's really interesting, right? Because when you're drafting that workhorse goalie at the start of the season, you're like, yeah, I want all that volume in all those games. And what if that workhorse goalie gets you just far enough like to get you to the fancy playoffs and then you lose him because he's exhausted and he can't keep it up how valuable is that workhorse goalie really and I asked that question just because of all the different guys we're seeing fall off who've had huge workloads this season but can't string together a couple good starts I mean, that's why Andre Vasilevsky
1: kind of stands alone, right? Like, he's just year in, year out, playing so many games and doesn't fall off. Even Shostyorkin is struggling lately. Before, remember, we were talking about, probably it was like we jinxed him. We were talking about, okay, he's finally joined Vasilevsky as a tier one, like, sure thing goalie. Now he's kind of struggled because you're right. There's a difference between being able to play well for three quarters of the season and then being able to play well for an entire season as a workhorse. So maybe, Brian, the advice here which isn't going to be helpful for people now but for next year draft your workhorse let him ride you right to the trade deadline and then trade him to someone mm. for like a skater and then pick up some goalie out of free agency
2: <laughs> man I, I like that would take some nerve right some chutzpah and i i think that would be a really nice move though if you can i remember i had someone um i think it was ian offering or garrett in my Kakupful full division offering me gorsha jorkin a month or two ago and it felt silly to turn him down because he had just been lights out, but I just couldn't buy into the deal. it wouldn't have mattered one way or the other whether I took it or not. In fact, I lost to uh, I lost to Garrett this week in our uh, in our consolation bracket uh, matchup. So that was a bummer. But uh, Shasturkin didn't really factor in that that hugely into it, and I wonder if the that's a really great strategy is to get that workhorse, let him up his value all season long, and then pull the plug. Right, as you see that workhorse starting to tire. Something to think about as a strategy point for next season.
1: Yeah, and I guess let's just jump around now to the Rangers, since we're talking about Shostyorkin. So today, they just got defeated by the New York Islanders 3-0. Another loss for Igor. In fact, he only faced 18 shots, it looks like. And he stopped, you know, 15 of them, which wasn't enough. But obviously, even if he only stopped uh, 17 of them, it wouldn't have been enough because the Rangers got shut out. Uh, Which is not great news uh, for the Rangers. They're a team that has a lot of players that, you know, people are excited to roster, though they've been without Ryan Strome, which has caused them to have to shake their lineup around. And I wonder if the absence of Ryan Strome is maybe causing some of this like recent lack of scoring. Really? Uh, well, I don't know. I'm just maybe you could check while I'm uh, you know rambling here. You can look into how they've been doing since Ryan Strom got injured. But like in today's game, they ran with Sabanajat Kreider and Frank Vetrano on one line, and then Panarin was playing with Andrew Kopp and Johnny Brodzinski. And like we like Andrew Kopp here on the pod. He's had good stretches, but he's also gone cold. And uh, Johnny Brodzinski is someone who was available as a free agent with swing eligibility in my Dynasty League as early as this past week, which was very rare for anyone. Which which just goes to show how little anyone thought of him. Now he's been since added and uh, I don't know, obviously for good reason since he's in a good spot in the lineup and he hasn't really been doing anything with it uh, yeah, all of a sudden you take out Ryan Strom. this lineup, I don't know, looks kind of thin to me, like those don't look like great line mates for Artemi Panarin and he's still been hot overall, but his last two games pointless, you know, like uh, on Frozen Tools it shows eight points in his last six games but that doesn't include today's game, yeah, they just got shut out by Philly and they got shut out by the Islanders, I don't know, that's not great are we concerned about Panarin?
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I honestly, I don't know first that we can think attribute much to Strom. He's only been away a couple games. And the pattern I see more is that when Chesterkin plays badly the Rangers lose. And and that's been sort of the case all season long. Actually, even when he's played well, the Rangers could lose. Basically, it was Shostorkin needs to stand on his head and then the Rangers have a fighting chance to win. And they've built their team that way. They've built their team with Igor as their backstop. But lately, he's having starts that aren't even giving the Rangers that chance to win. 833, 792, 879, 765. Uh, like These are just over his last seven or eight games. And in fact, going into tonight's action, so it's Sunday night as we're recording this, uh, Shasturkin had an 887 save percentage over his last eight games, pulled twice, which is... Concerning. And we talk about workhorse and workload. This is the heaviest workload that Igor Shostyorkin has ever had, right? Remember when we talked about him coming into the league and like how he had this career of basically being a brick wall everywhere he went for every game all season long and like shutout king? Unbeatable. And the the caveat was that when he gets to the Rangers, he's gonna be asked to take on a big workload, and we haven't seen him do that. Last year he played 35 games. This year, tonight he's playing his 46th game already, which is seven more than he ever played in the KHL. In the KHL, he and then he played five playoff games on top of that, but he played uh 39 in the regular season for St. Petersburg Scott back in 2016-17. So I mean, it's a real testament to Shigergen that he still has a 9.34 save percentage this season, even with this recent, uh, you know, cold cold snap that he's working through, and still a 75% quality start percentage. This guy's just been lights out all season long to the point that you can't even tell there's been a bad run lately if you're looking at his overall numbers. That's rare to find a goalie that incredible. 9.34. So I'll be interesting to see if he can find his mojo... The rest of the season, or if this is just a case of, yeah, the guy is running out of steam. He's never played this much before. The Rangers are demanding a lot of him night in, night out. And I think maybe they need to start demanding a little less or at least have a plan B for isn't quite able to steal as many games as he was stealing for them.
1: Yeah, well, there was a stretch this season where it was basically, if you were like a gambler, if the Rangers were playing with Shostyorkin in in net, I was going to say in net because it's like Shostyorkin, but like with playing with Shostyorkin versus playing with Georgiev, it's like the odds like completely shifted, right? It's like you have a completely different team depending on if Shostyorkin was playing or if Georgiev was playing. Uh, They decided to keep Georgie at the trade deadline and maybe that makes sense because they're going to need to give Shostyorkin some rest to go into a potential playoffs. Uh, But yeah, looking into next week now, the Rangers play Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday... I at one point was really high on like cop and Vetrano by the way I was mistaken that game against the Islanders was on Friday they're playing today against Philly and they're currently losing 2-0 so we'll see if they can figure out a way to score a goal versus Martin Jones of all people and not get shut out they've taken 30 shots at this point we're almost on the second period and they've taken 30 shots but nothing has gone by so that would be terrible if they got shut out two days in a row Panarin's taken four so he's doing his best are we still excited Brian about like your Vetrano's and Cops? those would be like those two top six guys that after the trade deadline we're looking like slam dunks caught playing with Panarin Vitrano playing with Zabanjad. Zabanjad, by the way totally blew it for me we were talking before we uh, recorded in the pre-show on YouTube how I made a trade for Zabanjad in my keeper league and this was the quarterfinals this week and I lost I probably would have lost anyways because Shams's team was amazing but didn't help that what, what I got one assist I think from Zabanjad in three games like going into today uh barely any shots I don't know bummer for me but maybe maybe that's also due to ryan being off the top power but maybe i'm giving ryan Strom too much credit but anyways let's look at the actionable pieces here vetrano and cop might be out there might be droppable they only play tuesday thursday saturday next week so it's not like an insane week and some of those might be busy days for you so how excited are you about these like fringe top sixers on the rangers
2: i'm a little more into cop because he is on that top power play with ryan Strom out so i'll still you know co-sign on him and for what it's worth the cop panarin Brodzinski line i'm looking at the the stats for tonight so far they have seven shots in the seven and a half minutes they've played and only five against so they're winning the shot and shot attempt battle they're putting a lot of offense they're throwing pucks on net so i, I feel like that's a good sign and like you mentioned elon uh, panarin already has four shots and we're just over halfway through the game so if you're playing with panarin it's still a good chance that one of those shots is going to go in or be be a juicy rebound for you to have to work with so i'd be into cop vitrano I mean vitrano you know I, I haven't changed my tune on vitrano from him being sort of like a high-end streamer he has at least put up two or more shots in six of his well his last six games actually so at least he's reliable there that he's gonna get you at least a couple shots and yeah has a chance at a point but I would prefer cop and I wouldn't stretch too hard to get vitrano on my roster but cop I might depending on the other options just because of that top power play spot replacing strom.
1: Yeah, that definitely makes sense. I guess I'll take cop too. Vetrano maybe could be good for more shots, but you you don't want to bank only on a few more shots. Uh, Philly, by the way, the team that's beating the Rangers 2-0 right now. Interesting to see their two goals have been scored by Owen Tippett and Cam York. So the young players on Philly getting an opportunity to show us what they can do uh, with Claude Giroux out of the lineup. Uh, so I guess we'll see if the obviously those guys are probably available most because Is Cam York now, the de facto top power play guy he must have been there for a while assume, like Yandel got finally scratched for a game but already he had been bumped from the top power play for the most part and Provorov we've talked at length so you know in this uh, show recently yeah we talked about all these like different top, new top power play guys, I guess Cam York is one of them and he scored a goal today so I don't know maybe he's someone that people should be looking at in your deeper leagues
2: yeah he had a run of top power play time but it, I, it's hard to Say, I think Philly's either been running a, a close split or York is on a slightly less preferred unit um, for their power play over the last couple games. Uh, his goal tonight came not on the power play, and he has yet to see a power play shift, but I don't have the opportunities in front of me. But looks like they n- no one has. Okay, there, right? so yeah, <laughs> yeah as we've mentioned, them. York is someone to keep an eye on. Absolutely. The funny thing about Provorov, he had a three point night on Saturday in the game against Toronto and a team high six shots. Six shots for Provorov in that game. Actually, interestingly, in that game, Morgan Riley, another defenseman, led Toronto in shots with six games. So a lot of D-men bombing away. Uh, But that was like the one game that Ivan Provorov (laughs) has been useful to you uh, in any recent history. If he took six shots every night, maybe he could score two goals every night. But uh, that's unfortunately not what he's doing.
1: Yeah, actually, if you look at that game against the Leafs, uh, the power play time on ice for a defenseman is pretty crazy. Ronnie Atard it looks like, led, led the f- Flyers with power play time on ice, uh, which is not something I expected to see. He's obviously someone who's just come to the team from college. I don't know why I said obviously there. I guess obviously in terms of like most people haven't heard of him. So that's your reason why. Uh, but yeah, Provorov had the big game there. Maybe it is worth switching over to the Leafs now because they have a huge week next week. They play Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday. So a lot of people like myself who have been zoning in on this week because they had a vibe and like looking at the leaves. and we just got news today that William Nylander is ill and he's not going to play that's a bummer Right? Okay, so now we have to like make some readjustments for anyone who has laundry. though maybe it is an opportunity, though not as big an opportunity as you'd think because he's already been playing on the third line for a while now, and it's been Ilya Mikheyev and Alex Kerfoot playing with Tavares on line two. And Mikheyev is on a bit of a heater right now. He was pointless in that game against Philly, though he took three shots. Before that, he had a goal and two assists against Winnipeg. He also scored against Florida earlier in the week. Uh, he's obviously uh, enjoying playing at even strength with John Tavares, so, especially now with Nilander ill, like, I guess that means that Mikhaev has a better chance of holding this spot through the week. So he, and obviously Kerfoot, the Mikaev is maybe a little bit more interesting to me, because you know how I like the shots on goal, and he's been shooting a lot lately. So, you know, Mikaev's an interesting guy, right? He's been th- this type of player that we've talked about on and off throughout the season. Runs hot, runs cold. Definitely possible that he'll do nothing in these, like, three games and four nights coming up, but... He's someone that I'm looking at. Obviously, you want bunting if you can get him, but you probably can't at this point. But he's taking over on the top power play, according to the practice lines today. But Jamikhaev and then, I guess, Kerfoot are both at least somewhat interesting. Again, looking at these top sixers, I guess we talked about Kopp and Vetrano. Uh, We talked about, you know, whatever, uh, Granlund. You know, we're looking at the guys who are playing in the top six, but that are maybe available to you in your leagues. And those are the two on the Leafs that might be out there for you.
2: Yeah, for sure. And I'd prefer Mikhaev to Kerfoot, even though he may be less likely to hold meaningful deployment. I think he's more likely to make the most of it in whatever remaining time he has. So as long as uh, he gets to hold on to being the, the third wheel on the second line in Toronto here, I'm interested. He's had some good runs there before uh Kerfoot is just kind of a, a boring guy to have he's the sort of guy who you'll stream in like six times and then the seventh you'll be like no thanks and that's that's the night he goes off for your opponent that's who who Alex Kerfoot is to me um another name that's I've seen uh, on the in the box scores lately is uh, Timothy Littlegrin in uh playing on the blue line right he's got three points in his last two games two goals and one assist five shots Uh, throws a couple hits a night blocks every so often no meaningful power play time but he is playing on a pairing with Mark Giordano which uh you know I don't know if that really means a whole lot to to boost his numbers or anything but he also came off another nice little recent run where he pointed in six of seven games so he's like a bottom pairing guy playing 14 to 16 minutes a night but if you're in a deep enough league and desperate for defense uh having a nice little run
1: Yeah, obviously that's for a really deep ad if you're looking at your Ronnie Attards or Lil Grin. I don't know. We'll we'll save that for the fantasy hockey life people to decide between those two. I guess also in Toronto, we should mention that in that game on Saturday, Jack Campbell came back to the net and what do you know? He got a win. So maybe you know, we've always talked on the podcast, Brian, how sometimes these goalies who are on cold streaks and they get injured, it's almost like a nice little vacation for them. Not only are they healing themselves physically, but they also have the opportunity to heal themselves mentally and maybe come back stronger. And Campbell clearly had something going on with him. I remember there was a quote from him right before he got injured saying, like, don't worry everyone, I'm gonna get better. Like, I'm gonna get through this. And so hopefully this is the start. This was a game against Philly, though Philly is beating the Rangers right now for what it's worth. But uh, yeah, he stopped 29 of 32. Uh, and I'd imagine Campbell is going to be someone that the Leafs are going to try to lean on moving forward. Maybe they shouldn't because he's injury prone. Morazic's um, injured again so that's a shame. But maybe not. They tried to waive him. So maybe <laughs> it's, uh, you know it doesn't really matter now that Campbell's back. Shalgren is there. Obviously now that Campbell's back though you can forget about Shogren. except for they do play Monday, Tuesday next week. So if you really want to try to game it, it's possible that Campbell gets the game on Monday at Tampa. Though that Tuesday game is at Florida. So if you're grabbing Shalgren to get that second half of a back-to-back, you definitely have the possibility of just getting bombed, just like how Florida destroyed uh, Buffalo today, putting five goals against our friend Dustin Tokarski.
2: After putting seven goals on New Jersey uh, the night before. Like, this is back-to-back performances. This team is not tired of scoring goals, 12 goals in the weekend, Saturday and Sunday. Uh, one name that stood out for me, Elon, I haven't checked today's box score, so maybe you can enlighten me, but a couple names that stood out from that New Jersey game to me were Gustav Forsling, another defenseman with a team high six shots. It was going all on all over the NHL. Uh, yeah, Elon? Yeah, no, I'm
1: going to interrupt you to say that Forsling again today against Buffalo had an assist and five shots. Wow. So out of nowhere, Forsling is this like (laughs) shooting machine. So he
2: jumps ahead of Ekholm and Lilligren and uh, Ronnie Attard as being (laughs) the, the hottest waiver wire defenseman right now right that we've named so far if, if he can keep taking five and six shots a night on a team that's averaging six goals a game this weekend that's a pretty good spot to be elon uh after seeing sam reinhardt do nothing on saturday no points but he had five shots in 18 minutes i kind of felt bad for him drew had no points but he didn't uh, take a bunch of shots like reinhardt did did either one fare better today
1: yeah, so today against the Sabres, and again, this 5-3 win, it looks like Sam Reinhardt once again didn't get a point. So that's a shame. He took two shots, but couldn't get anything by Tokarski. But, you know, this is the kind of thing where I wouldn't be too worried. Maybe it's a little bit of like a St. Louis situation, like different people take turns getting points. Reinhardt's been playing on a line with Marchment and Lundell, Oh, which, by the way, Anton Lundell is back, so he's someone that might be interesting to you. Marchment got a point today, so that probably means Reinhardt was on the ice and just didn't get in on the goal. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, right. Re- I mean, I'd prefer Reinhardt at the top six. Don't get me Same. wrong.
2: <laughs> but it's nice that he's still taking eight shots. He's still pl- seeing plenty of ice, too. And Marchment and Lundell aren't bad right those are two pretty good players that he can still work with uh, but it was probably just very frustrating it's like having John Tavares for any of those leaf games earlier in the season speaking of the leafs just going back to the goaltending situation for half a second you know i was really like it was fun when arizona took harry siteri off waivers from after toronto signed him but i think it would have been more fun if they didn't and that chaos still reigned in the toronto crease especially with morazek being injured uh, like, I'd love to see what Sateri could do, especially if uh, if Campbell isn't totally playing perfectly. But whatever, we've been robbed of that drama, and that's a bit of a bummer. Um, but how about we head over, Elon, to Florida's opponent on Saturday, uh, Florida's poor opponent on Saturday, the New Jersey Devils, where Igor Sharangovich... Uh, had a six shot special as a forward, keeping up with all those defensemen, and of course, scored three times on those six shots, which is great. A huge hat trick for anybody who wanted uh, a big, big production from someone who, who likely could have been a streamer in a lot of formats, but has been worth rostering uh, for large swaths of this season. Someone who didn't hit the score sheet somehow when Igor Sharangovich scores three goals on six shots. Yes, for Brett. No points. Jack Hughes, just one point. On six goals, uh, Elon, what did you make of that performance from both Brad and Hughes? I mean, not nothing of it. Like, I mean, I don't care. I, I mean, Are we game. overreacting like, to box scores on? Oh this yeah, episode? that's the point of the
1: show. Well, I'm looking at actually the game today. So today, the Islanders beat the Devils four to three. I'm seeing. I hope all this information we're saying is correct. Normally, this show we've got it all, you know, double checked here. But it looks to me like uh, the Islanders beat the Devils four three today. And I'm seeing that Jack Hughes only played ten minutes and fourteen seconds. So oh, he got he here. got
2: kneed during the game, but he's so, okay.
1: He's okay, you're saying?
2: He came back at some point? I believe he came back.
1: Phew. Okay, well, and Jesper Bratt, again, no points, though he took three shots. Um, you know, I mean, these are guys that I think are at the point where they deserve a really long leash, you know? It's not the kind of player... Like, you know, like a Cardiff or Haggy on Florida. He's been cold for a while. I know he did get finally get an assist in the last game. You know, he's been cold for a while, so you start to wonder if you can drop him. But someone like... Jack, well, Jack Hughes, even forget about it. He's like a superstar. And then Jesper Bratt, he's... Close to a superstar though the lines today were different, right? So Brad doesn't play with Hughes and Sharon Govich So I guess it makes sense. Brad's been playing with Heisher and Zaka. though Nico Heisher has been really great. Do you think Nico Heisher kind of gets lost in the shuffle just because of this huge breakout by Jack Hughes that now Nico Heisher, another like first overall pick from just a couple years earlier in 2017, but he's having himself a great year. Eleven points in his last eight games. He's currently on a three-game points streak. He scored today against the Islanders and took five shots. He's someone I got as a free agent in the couple. Actually, him and Jesper Brad. I love the. The devils i think I've, i have probably already mentioned this on the show a few times but yeah nico Hischier is looking really good it's too bad the devils suck still <laughs> like they have all these players that we talk about all the time they seem very talented but they still lose pretty much every game and we yeah. even talked about nico dawes being interesting so <laughs> i don't know why they suck so much
2: well they're just they're missing goaltending because nico dawes aside from that little run he's no longer reliable or dependable uh john gillies of course is not andrew hammond had a really rough start to that game and then was able to Sort of hold it together to come up with a, a decent, half decent stat line compared to how we started the game. But uh, unfortunately, yeah, there's there's nobody in the Devil's Crease who can really hold it down. But I liked what you said about Nico Hushir having uh, probably the quietest breakout season in the league. You know, if anyone here thought Clayton Keller's breakout was happening quietly, Nico Hischier has just been totally overlooked. He's almost on a 70-point pace this season when he has been, uh, you know, somewhere between a 45 and 55-point pace for the first 3, well, he was injured for most of last year. So, I'm not even going to count it. So, for the first 3 seasons of Hischier's career, he was like this mid-50s guy who we were waiting to break out, right? Like, I, I had him all the time in, in so many leagues. I was drafting him late as my flyer, and he never broke through. And then last season, just 11 points in 21 games didn't look good at all, even though he barely got to play. And then, of course, right when you finally give up hope and be like, okay, I'm just going to wait. I can't assume the breakout is coming. There it is. And it all looks pretty sustainable, too. Um, so Nico year looking fantastic, and I don't see any reason to not expect him to be able to do the same thing next year, especially because that top six in New Jersey is sort of rounding into being a, a, a fuller a fuller kind of look. Like you said, he's gets he's got to play with uh, Pavel Zaka and Jesper Brat lately, which is uh, not bad at all if it holds. So Nico his uh, his draft stock is quietly going up next year. I feel like he might be a draft day steal.
1: Yeah, he still could be, though it's looking like he may have to pull a little bit Bit of a bigger load for this next week or so, because Brian, I'm getting some fact checks here in the chat and looking on Twitter. Jack Hughes did end up leaving the game. He came back and then he left again. And now I'm seeing that there's no update on him after the game. So this might actually be pretty bad. Uh, all of a sudden, if Jack Hughes is out, I don't want to like, you know, go too crazy because we haven't had an update yet from the coach. But usually no update isn't good. You probably want an update being like he's walking around, like we hope we hope he'll be back by Tuesday. I don't want to speculate too much, but if he's hurt... That probably is bad for Sharon Govich, right? Especially if they keep, you know, Hesher with Brat, and then Sharon Govich now gets a new centerman. I don't know. For some reason, I think of Travis Zajac, but he's not on the team anymore. So I'm not sure. Who's the third centerman on New Jersey after Hesher and Hughes? I guess it's like... Well,
2: Dawson Mercer and oh, Pavel Mercer. Zaka both play center. They haven't been used at center the whole season through. So I wonder if maybe Zaka is asked to move back to center and like someone like, you know, Andreas Janssen or Yanni Kuokinen is asked to fill the void.
1: Yeah, man. So, okay, you'll have to definitely watch Game Day Lines, a Twitter account we have that shams helps retweet things at Game Day Lines. And uh, this is going to be one I'm going to be watching carefully uh, to see what's going on in New Jersey. Hopefully, Hughes is okay. That would be a huge loss for fantasy, fantasy managers, man. Like, I would be so upset if I was riding Hughes. Like, I'm upset about losing Nylander, but I'd be much more upset about losing Hughes. And Nylander is just ill. Hughes, who even knows? So. That sucks. Uh, too bad. I guess on D, we've still been pe- we've still been talking about Dougie Hamilton. I guess at this point we have to stop talking about Dougie Hamilton, right? He's been kind I of think disappointing. So.
2: Until something uh, changes, yeah. we're just not going to talk about Dougie. We I, we were talking about him on our Discord server this week as being like, what's happening? What does this do for his draft value next year? Which I thought was a really interesting question. I think it hurts it, right? He's not going to be one of those D you reach for in the first few rounds. Elon, you and I were sort of each trying to put down our marker for like which defenseman will go in the draft and then we'll be like yeah maybe it's time to look at dougie and you said alex petrangelo and i said darnell nurse as two options where it's like yeah you're looking at capped scoring upside from those guys but uh, reliable peripheral production and maybe once they're gone that's when you start looking at dougie hamilton which is a big change from where he's been for the past few seasons and, like, Dougie's in this weird pattern where, you know, in Carolina and Boston and Calgary, uh, now New Jersey, he just never gets to run with things. I compared him to being sort of like the Nick Ehlers of the blue line where he's always playing second fiddle. And uh, I don't know how much of it is by design or isn't. And I know he's proven himself as an elite, top flight power play one quarterback in the league it would be crazy if the Devils didn't give him that opportunity to to be there game one next year what they sign him for if not but this definitely hurt his draft stock
1: well yeah for sure I guess like yeah we have seen that he's you know joined a team like when he went to Carolina Justin Falk was on the top power play and then eventually Hamilton took over so maybe they just like his coaches always want him to earn it before like even in Calgary right didn't he like right at the end of his stretch there take over from Giordano yeah. so it's like I don't know for some reason he keeps on having to earn it it's uh, kind of funny so Han is saying here in the chat I wonder if I'm pronouncing that right but that Hamilton like at least he had an assist today that's almost like a sad thing to, you know it's kind of like Brian remember that movie I don't even remember what it was called no, it was about a kid who ended up inheriting a baseball team. And he, like, became, like, the coach of or the owner of, like, the baseball team. Do you know what movie I'm talking about? It's, like, famous when we were a kid.
2: Was it Rookie of the Year?
1: So Rookie of the Year. Is that the one with the, the, the pitcher that had the really strong arm all of a sudden? Because he, like, injured his arm? Oh, and yeah. then was able to yeah, there was another one about a kid, maybe in this chat. So anyways, there's a very memorable scene from that movie for me where like he had like a favorite player on the team. That and then like he like but that player was like an old, you know, like a veteran that like near the end of his career and it was like his like favorite player. And then he like that, that player like got a base hit at some point. Like everyone was telling him that we need to wave him, like we need to cut him, and he's like the owner now or whatever. It's up to him <laughs> to like waive his like favorite player and he's like a teenager, or, like a young kid. And then he like got a base hit in the game. It wasn't Angels in the outfield match. It's a different one. Anyway, and anyways, the guy got a base hit, and then he was like so happy. He's like, "See, see, he's like so good still. He's able to do blah blah blah." And then like, then I remember his like mentor guy was like, "It's not Field of Dreams." <laughs> The mentor guy was then like, uh, the fact that you're so happy that he got a base hit, like, says that we need to wave him because we shouldn't be so excited about something as simple as a base hit. So I'm getting that same vibe from Dougie Hamilton's, like, at least he got an assist. Like, I didn't draft him in the second round in one of my leagues to hope that he got an assist in a game against the Islanders. I'm hoping for, like, some goals, a lot of shots. Oh, he did take four shots. Okay. <laughs> but so, you, you know what I'm saying, right? <laughs> And one day we'll figure out this. Brian's not even listening to me because he's just joking around with people about what movie this is. Next time, wait, Brian, you talk about the next player while, or actually, no, we're going to cut to a break. And while we're on break, I'm going to figure out the name of this movie. Uh, So we'll be back in just a sec. In fact, I'm pretty sure my wife and I are going to be recording an ad about HelloFresh, which I think is going to be a lot of fun. She's been looking forward to it. So you're going to hear that in just a sec. You're listening to Keeping Carlson. This episode of Keeping Carlson is brought to you in part by our friends over at HelloFresh. That's right, HelloFresh. That company where they send you boxes of ingredients and instructions, and you're able to just turn them into these amazing meals. My wife, Dina, and I have been using it forever. Amazing results. We just had this tortellini today, which was delicious. And here is actually my wife, Dina, to tell you about how much she's enjoyed using HelloFresh.
0: Okay, hi, guys. Here's the thing about HelloFresh that you may not realize. So, Elon is... You might think, like, oh, Elon is the best. He's probably good at everything because he's, like, slaying all his hockey podcasts and pools and whatnot. Tier 1 of
1: the cup full. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah all of the above. But <laughs> my Dynasty are- League. Okay, this is my ad. <laughs> so... The thing with Elon is, like, there are things he does not like to do, and then he just doesn't care for them. So a big contentious issue for us used to be, like, meal planning. Like, oh, my God, it's a new week. Like, what are we going to eat? And then Q in HelloFresh, like, problem literally solved. Elon is not, like, a kitchen whiz by any means, does not enjoy, like, coming up with recipes and executing them. But with HelloFresh... He loves it! The ingredients are there, the instructions are there, he's in his zone, he's cooking the meal. It's amazing every time. The ingredients are fresh, they're coming into us, they're seasonal, they're delicious. The variety of recipes is amazing, so we're pescatarian, so we kind of mix and match some veggie options, which there are always more than what we can even... Uh, pig for a week and then like a a fish or seafood option that we can also uh, bring in and I gotta say like I'm sold it's like I used to be the main cook of the house now it's Elon just like churning out these delicious recipes day in day out and I'm just like okay keep going this is great
1: All right, so if you want to have an impressed partner like I do, then check out HelloFresh. And if you think that even what you've heard isn't enough, you we even have a special offer for the listeners of Keeping Carlson. If you go to HelloFresh.com slash KeepingK16 and use code KeepingK16, you're going to get 16 free meals for free. You try it out for free. How about that? And three free gifts. So again, that's HelloFresh.com slash KeepingK16. Dina, thanks so much for coming on to uh, do this ad with me.
0: Thanks for having me, and, you know, keep those meals coming. They're great.
1: And we're back... Brian, the name of the movie I was referencing was Little Big League. Here is the synopsis. When his grandfather dies, 12-year-old Billy suddenly becomes the heir to the Minnesota Twins baseball team. It's a dream come true for the baseball fan who believes he can get the Twins out of their current slump by managing them personally. Of course, and then yeah, it goes on. So uh, everyone can check out Little Big League. It looks like it's available for four ninety nine on YouTube at the moment. Speaking of deals, Brian, wasn't there something else you wanted to tell our listeners about?
2: Yeah, well, I'd like to tell them it was uh, ranked 30 30- 53% on Rotten Tomatoes, but the audience said 53%. So maybe you'll have as memorable a moment with it as Elon did. But just that caveat before you spend your money on the movie. Hey, for $4.99, you know what you could get? By the way, you get an entire off-season of Keeping Carlson patronage. So every uh, every off-season or fantasy off-season from April through August, we flip the switch on our off-season special, which is where we offer the usual patron perks, Throughout the fantasy offseason, discounted price of just a buck US per month. Um, and we, we do this because, hey, we're still churning out the content, but we want you to be a part of it too. And this is a great time to just get a feel for the community. It's an even better time in like September and October as things ramp up, but you'll be there for that, we hope. If you join us for the offseason, um, you can get in on things we're doing through the offseason. Like we don't shut down at all. Um, we'll be uh, starting our third annual... Uh, keeping carlson playoff pool which is like the best playoff pool design ever if you're not familiar with it stay tuned for future episodes and you'll hear about it you can chat on our discord server about keeper dynasty hockey headlines through the playoffs nhl draft free agency training camps uh we're going to be designing the next year of the cupful uh, that's the keeping carlson ultimate patron fantasy league kkupfl.com uh, if you have input or feedback or suggestions for rule changes to make Next season's iteration, even better than this one's, uh, we're gonna be having all those open chats on our Discord server over the off season. Uh we'll be of course announcing when the couple opens first on our Discord server so you can get in on the ground floor there and also uh our monthly patron casts and Elon, like, this is for everybody, but if you want to support the amazing work that Elon and Ben are going to do this offseason with our 32-beat series, where we will once again try and speak to as many beat writers around the league as possible, with the goal being uh, one from every single NHL team, uh, to go deep and figure out what to expect from each player next year and reflect on the season that was, uh, you can just throw your support and be like, hey... I am into this content and uh, I appreciate it. So anyway, that's that was longer than I planned to go. But if any of that sounds worthwhile to you for just a dollar a month uh, over the off-season, patreon.com slash keepingcarlson or if it's easier, keepingcarlson.com slash patron.
1: Okay, yeah, this is already after an ad break. So we're just piling it all in here, but then we're going to be all fresh new content for the rest of the episode. But yeah, also that's a message to existing patrons, right? Like if you want to... Down- we-, we want you to hang out with us over the summer. We don't want you to leave. So we're just saying like, dec- decrease it to whatever you can and then uh, we'll have some fun in our Discord. Okay, so Brian, you were talking about how it would have been fun if Harry Sateri went to the Leafs, uh, but instead he got signed by Arizona and Arizona also traded Scott Wedgwood at the deadline. And so we discussed on the show how Carol Vemelka is probably going to get a ton of games. And you said, basically, like, yeah, he's going to get a lot of games, but he's still kind of going to be a risky start. And that has definitely come true. He's had a wild stretch. He's played eight games in a row now. It looks like he's playing today against uh, Chicago. So we'll see how this game turns out so far so good. But if you look back, he had an amazing game against San Jose, where he stopped 41 of like uh, or no thirty-nine to forty-one. Then he got destroyed by Anaheim of all teams in the next game. The game before that it was Yeah, you're just looking at, like, every game It's actually, like, you see, like, 9.50, say, percentage, 8.57. 9.50, 8.79. It just bounces up and down. So that's what you get with Vey Malka. I'd imagine it'll be the same next week. Maybe Harry Seteri does get in at some point and play a game for Arizona. Of course, the other big news out of Arizona is the sad news, that Clayton Keller is out for the season. Lawson Kraus was already also injured, likely, for the season. So all of a sudden, this team that... Remember there was, like, a stretch a couple weeks ago where Arizona was just blowing everyone out, like, every single game? It was so weird. You're, like, afraid to start a goalie against the Coyote because they were scoring like eight goals a game. I feel, Brian, is this a hot take to say I don't think that's going to happen anymore? It seems like now minus Keller, minus Kraus, I don't think Arizona is a scary team. They are up two to one over Chicago right now after the second period, but the goals are from Travis Boyd and M. Carson. So you, uh, Michael Carson. So uh, yeah, it's not exactly the types of players that you were probably rostering. Probably the one player that you've been rostering and loving is Nick Schmaltz because he's been so insane but now without clayton keller i talked about this with ben right i think that nick schmaltz has like a huge dip i think he might even potentially become like free agent fodder at this point
2: for sure like i actually didn't think i can't remember if it was you or ben that was still thinking like schmaltz is pretty good in his own right he might be okay i i i got a heavy disagree with that i'm really worried about his value the rest of the way this guy who uh up until two games ago, had 47 points in 48 games. Now it's, uh, it's 47 points in 50 games. Only one shot in each of his last two contests, and one of those he picked up a pair of points. But honestly, uh, I mean, we've never looked to Schmaltz for shots, but he's generally been doing better than that this season. And I have some grave concerns about what Nick Schmaltz is going to be able to accomplish with, Elon, your favorite, Travis Boyd and Matthias Michelli. As his line mates, instead of Kraus and Keller, we talked about how Keller's outbursts were seemingly legitimate. And that Schmaltz was able to capitalize off them, and they were working together, which is great. But I really think you take Keller out of that lineup, and there's nobody else to stir the drink. So I would be very concerned about Nick Schmaltz, and you might have a really quick snoozer, like a very sudden snoozer on your roster if you're not deeply evaluating whether he still belongs there for the remaining weeks of your fantasy season.
1: Yeah, and like Shams is asking in the chat about how about Gostas Beher. The thing with Gostas Beher is like, even when Arizona was like how they normally are at the start of the year and barely scoring, he was still doing pretty well. Like, it's not as if they get zero goals per game and he seems to be like someone who's involved when they do score so I feel like Goss's is like obviously a little less exciting than he was when Arizona was scoring like eight goals a game but I think he's still worth rostering he has an assist today on a Travis Boyd goal I think he's like a solid bet like I mean anyone who's doubted him at any point this year I'm sure points this year at the start Brian you and I were doubting him and then he's just continued to produce at a pretty solid pace so I think I'd continue to expect him to be like a solid like point every couple games at least maybe a little bit more are you on the same page as me here? I mean, like it looks like Jacob Chickering might be out for the season now is the latest news. So the like, gossip has got all, like, I mean, it didn't even matter though. He was already going to be the top power play guy. He's like going to play a ton of minutes. And so probably he's going to get in on any goals that they score.
2: Right. Which there might not be a lot of uh, like, let's look at this lineup again. It, there's well, I'm not going to, cause you might fall asleep. But w- There's not a whole lot to love here in Arizona, but I'm with you, Elon, that you could hope to expect a point every other game or so from Goss Despair because I think he is sort of one of the remaining players in the lineup who can help drive offense. And he has at least a couple shots on goal in his last four games. So there's a starting point for some relevance too. And that's why I would be, like, I don't know that I'd be more into Goss Despair than Schmaltz. I think it's still pretty close. But uh, if the question is, how much worse will Goss Despair be? How much value does he lose? I don't think he loses as much value as Schmaltz because it wasn't as high in the first place.
1: All right, so Shane is saying in the chat that this time of year I don't even look at players who don't play four games. So, all right, I hear you. What you're saying, Shane? Let's go to a team that plays four games next week in the Tampa Bay Lightning. They go Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. That's right. It's a streamigami. <laughs> i don't know i I don't have the music but uh, i tried my best there uh that's a shout out to stream scheme okay (laughs) people don't know what i'm talking about (laughs) okay so on the tampa bay lightning we've talked about how it's like a strange team to stream from because even though they're the cup champs they score a lot of goals Sometimes, I guess last time we talked about them, they were scoring a little bit less. Uh, it seems like you either have your guys that are rostered in all leagues and then everyone else like isn't that exciting. Though recently, Anthony Sorelli has started to step away from the pack and look like he is worth rostering, especially with these four games next week. He was available in tier one of the K-Couple for a while for me while I've been eyeing this uh, you know, week coming up since I had the buy and I knew I was going to have it for a while. And I kept on just letting him slip by because he wasn't doing anything. And now I'm, I'm really regretting it because he's on a nice hot streak. He's playing on a line with Killorn and Palat, which is one of the reasons I wasn't interested, right? Like they've been loading up their top line with the three big guns and Stamkos, Kucherov, and Point. But Sorelli somehow now has six points in his last five games anyway, including five shots in that game yesterday against Montreal so I think at this point with this schedule and this hot streak unless you want to say that this hot streak is totally unsustainable like obviously he could easily go cold but I would take like if he was available to me right now I would take I'd probably take any of Palat Sorelli or Killorn at this point with these with just because of the schedule
2: sure yeah you'll get a lot of games I, I'm here to tell you though that, that you don't need to tilt too hard about missing out on Sorelli uh, he's still a, a good player Right. And there's a lot to like about him, but he's on a 50 point pace for the season. And I still think that's about what to expect. Like, he doesn't excite me any more than Palat or Killorn do. I, I don't think this is a sudden breakout. And the reason I don't think that is because, um, over this stretch where he has six points in his last five games, including two multi point outings, certainly so has three points. From the second power play unit. So that's just not something that's going to keep coming. Uh, the way it's been coming. When you're producing that much. From power play number two. And uh, other than that. You know he has three points in six games. At other strengths. Which I think is actually probably about what we can expect from Sorelli. With maybe one power play point. Every so often. But not three. So it's great if you did stream him in. And you were able to benefit from that this past week. But I'm not about to expect him to repeat the feat. Although he can... I wouldn't say it's statistically likely that he will.
1: Okay, I think I agree with you. Like, he'll probably... I think he's probably good for two points in four games, right? So, depending on your other streaming options, if you're looking at teams that play only two times or, like, three times, but including busy days where we won't be able to play them, you probably won't be able to get a solid bet for two points. And, uh, and by the way, I'm saying two points in four games with the possibility for three. Like, we've seen that yeah. he has that capability.
2: All right, Elon, uh, let me throw this at you. Anthony Cirelli me. or Nick Schmaltz?
1: Uh, well... The schedule will
2: dictate that, right? Yeah, like Serenity
1: plays... Well, no, it's a great question because I think... No, Brian, I don't set yourself short I know that you, generally I'm the host asking the question so like you're second guessing yourself right away after you ask this question let me tell you Brian that is a fantastic question and I'll tell you why because I think that a lot of people have Nick Schmaltz on their rosters and are seeing Anthony Sorelli in free agency and are trying to decide if they make that swap and they're probably thinking oh but Schmaltz has been so amazing for me wouldn't that be like so crazy so it's like I'm here to say that yeah Arizona plays Monday, Thursday, Saturday next week and Cirelli plays Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday so maybe if you want to give Schmaltz like one last chance to really wow you they both play monday right so but i think i think Sorelli might get taken uh so you might have to just jump on him but yeah i'd make that swap and i would take Sorelli. but i also think it was a good question so tweet at us if, if you're in a situation where you were wondering that same thing and say kudos brian Hashtag. okay all right do do people still do hashtags that feels like an old thing now i feel like i'm i'm being choogy by saying to use a hashtag right now
2: the i don't know what that word means so i'm the wrong person to ask if something (laughs) is old
1: okay let's go to buffalo now so shane uh, again only he only wants uh, right remember that song by immaculate machine it's like don't wake me up for anything less than 10 grand a day Yes. That's why I feel like Shane is like, don't even wake me up unless we're talking about a team that plays four times next week. So uh we could someone should write that parody song. Uh Buffalo Sabres play Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Sunday. Uh against um I don't know, against Carolina twice, and then Florida and Tampa. So these aren't like amazing games in terms of, you know, probability of high number of goals scored, but still Uh, four games is four games and the sabers have been scoring some goals lately like we talked about how they beat uh, nashville on friday they scored four goals there and then today they lost to the panthers but they lost five to three so that's another three goals we talked about alex tuck on the last show i believe because he was on a cold streak and we were saying that we thought that you should still grab him because he's on the top line top power play seems talented and it looks like he was uh made us look Decent, right? He had two assists against Nashville. He had assists against Florida. So there you go. We nailed that one. And obviously we'll say that if somehow Tuck is still out there, he would be my number one saber. Like I I like Thompson and Skinner, but I'm imagining that they're like not available. Of the guys that might be available to you, Tuck still stands out to me as a clear streamer. And then maybe we can mention a couple others that if Tuck isn't available to you, we can go to who the next one is.
2: It's still surprising to me that Tuck is available in so many leagues. Like he shouldn't be available more than Jeff Skinner or Tage Thompson. They should all be rostered fairly similarly um. So, with that said, uh, yeah, definitely get Tuck. You want Skinner? You want Thompson? If we're overreacting to box scores, Elon. Well, if you were overreacting on Saturday night, you saw Peyton Krebs, or on Friday night, you saw Peyton Krebs and Dylan Cousins get two points each, and then follow that up with uh, with nothing today. So that would have. Definitely been an overreaction. But they are a to look out for as Buffalo plays out the rest of the season and probably wants to uh, give them a couple more looks and a little more ice time to see what happens. Curiously, speaking of ice time, by the way, Tate Thompson um, in his last couple games has just seen 15 and a half, 16 minutes, which is um, less than we're used to him seeing. And so I wonder if maybe the minutes are being shared around a little more evenly over this last bit chunk of the season. Alex Tuck was also down to 14 and a half minutes on Friday, that but then played uh, a more normal, almost 18 minutes tonight on Sunday. But back to uh, uh, Peyton Krebs and Dylan Cousins, both guys worth a shot. If you're in a deep, deep enough league where you want to try somebody for a night, they they could get two points any given night. They could also go out for a cardio shift and do absolutely nothing for you. Uh, Tage Thompson uh, two goals on Friday, another goal today. Uh, he's up to, I think, 12 points now. I'm trying to factor in today's points in his last 10, and, uh, pretty impressive stuff. And the shots keep coming too. He has three or more shots in 10, or sorry, nine of his last 11 games, which is great. He's gonna need to keep shooting because he has been scoring on uh, probably a few too many, uh, of the shots he's taken. But at the same time, I am not counting this guy out from just continuing to produce the way he's producing. He's now on a 67-point pace. And this is a guy who started the year um, sort of quietly. Like his first 10, 15 games, he hadn't quite broken out yet. Uh, was still like playing similar minutes to what he's playing now. But we weren't looking at him with the same reverence we're looking at him now. Um, he's going to be a fun one to sort of project going into next year. For now, I would say just ride it. For as long as he can, he's shooting 14% in deployment that he's never seen before, averaging three and a half shots per game this season. Again, almost a 70-point pace. Uh, so it's just a little tops Thompson appreciation moment.
1: Yeah, and you can say the same thing about Jeff Skinner, right? He's also someone that no one expected to do anything this year, and he's been great, and he'll also be someone that'll be fun to project next year. I guess if I'm going to throw out someone, I think when you're talking about your, like, Dylan Cousins and your, who was it, Peyton Krebs, I think probably the lower-end player, like, outside of that top line that I'd be looking at is maybe Casey Middlestat, just because he's playing on the top power play. He's also been playing on a line with Olafsson and Rasmus Asplund. I don't know how, how much that's worth. Also, there's, like, Ocposo, who's just been, like, solid and steady, but I think Middlestat's a little bit more interesting two assists today you could probably flip a coin for me between like probably a bunch of them actually flip a coin between Middlestat Akposo and maybe even Victor Olofsson as like that next saber to roster but you know take a look in your free agency and see if any of them are out there because again four games uh depending on how deep your league is maybe one of these guys is interesting to you and then also I guess you can also flip a coin in terms of the goalies my guess is Tokarski and Anderson will play each of the games but again that's a tough schedule so those would be some games I would be a little bit afraid of at this point Brian, where should we go next? I see here that we haven't yet talked about the Nazem Kadri injury over in Colorado. So maybe we should just check and see what's been going on with the Avalanche with that big name out of the lineup. Also, Gabriel Landeskog was already out of the lineup, but they got someone in, Arturi Lekkinen. So there you go and uh, unfortunately in the latest game which was yesterday it looks like Burakovsky got on the line instead of Nichushkin with McKinnon and And so like last week when we were like drooling over Nichushkin and saying how he's someone that you have to roster because he's like top line top power play and I feel like I do this a lot and it turns out to be a mistake right I was like oh and now with like Kadri is there even more of a chance that Nichushkin like holds this like top deploy I don't know like but yeah when a player gets injured that's significant obviously a bunch of things get shaken up and all of a sudden now Nichushkin a little less interesting he still took four shots against pittsburgh for what it's worth in this game where uh, colorado won three to two but since they won maybe there's a better chance that those lines will stick together but yeah natushkin was playing on a line with arturi lekinin and jt Comfer. but are we at a point now where basically it's like we've got a top <laughs> line of mckinnon rantanen and burakovsky and then kind of everyone else is a lot less interesting because then we're looking at natushkin Lekanen, and komfer as a second line
2: i think so Except I will at least point out that since joining the avalanche after, I think there were like a lot of visa issues for Lekkanen. It took him a long time to actually get into the lineup, but he now has 10 shots in three games with the Avs, which is a nice tidy piece of business, including five shots against Pittsburgh on Saturday night. That game is a slugfest, by the way, looking at the box score there. Uh, what was it? The shot count was like 40 to 38 in favor of Colorado. Darcy Kemper and Tristan Jarry were both. Fantastic for their teams, and interestingly for this um, this Lekinen line, which you know I probably doesn't deserve to be called the Lekanen line, more like the Nadjushkin line with Comfort and Lekinen, Um They played a lot. Uh, both teams, Pittsburgh and Colorado, shortened their benches. It almost seemed like a playoff matchup where each team they were just going toe to toe, all out, and their bottom lines and bottom pairings were not seeing a whole lot of action. Um, as Kemper and Jari stood on their heads and kept it a, a close and super entertaining game. Um, but yeah, shout out to Arturi Lekkanen. I might be interested in him. JT Confer is somebody who is uh, generally pretty boring because he doesn't shoot at all, and that has held true. Um, but I would still, like, at least as a streaming option, be interested And Lekanin after Nachushkin, I wouldn't write him off completely. And I'd still prefer him more to someone like Alex Newhook, who did point in that game, but still, in fact, in his last two games, but still is playing like barely above 10 minutes a night.
1: Yeah, I think I'm with you on, on all of that at this point. Yeah, I think it's like Nichushkin is interesting, Lekkonen maybe. Comfer, I always mix up with Alex Kerfoot. Like, I don't even, I guess they were both on Colorado at some point. But yeah, I always like say one and then mean the other. And so, I, and I feel similarly about them and their fantasy value for the most part, to be honest. A lot of people in our chat were uh, freaking out about a Brock Besser injury today, but it looks like he's back. So Brock Besser is not injured, though he still is doing nothing. He's pl- like, you yeah. know, he's still
2: with the, not with too the way exciting. he's playing and what we said about him last week is not someone that I think you're freaking out about a whole lot. It's like if he's injured, maybe it's like, well, maybe he could use a few games off, take the classic keeping Carlson vacation and come back a more effective player because he's sure not doing much for you while he's in your lineup.
1: Yeah, but I guess now he he's back. Uh, Vancouver plays uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday next week. And uh, he was actually dropped in Tier 1 Sweden. So for any of you holding on to Brock Besser and feeling like, you know, he's probably too good to drop... Like you know, other obviously there's different situations. Maybe he was dropped by someone in a you know a semi or a quarterfinal matchup that just needed to do what they needed to do to win that week. But you know he f- went through waivers, right? So both myself and Mark had buys, and neither of us put a claim on him because I figured, well, I'm not gonna you know drop Mikhaev who plays Monday Tuesday to pick up Besser who plays Wednesday. Maybe if like Besser's still out there on Wednesday, then I'll consider adding him. And if someone else takes, him then I'll grab some other streamer from Wednesday. I'll go with uh, Paul Stasny, as we've all been joking around about someone that maybe could do something for you so it's interesting but yeah if you have Besser I think and and you really want a game next week I think you can probably get away with dropping him taking like a Toronto or Boston player who plays Monday Tuesday or Columbus and then get Besser back on Wednesday if you can and if not whatever like now that I say it he's probably gonna score a hat trick or whatever on Wednesday like it's obviously possible like he's in a good line and he's obviously been known to score a lot of goals in the past but as we've discussed it's been a while since he's done anything especially noteworthy
2: For sure. Well, I I already said my piece on Besser, right? I'm not going to add a whole lot uh, of context here, except I think it might be best for anybody who has him and is afraid to drop him. Yeah, for him to go on IR. By the way, last week we talked about uh, JT Miller's line being with Tanner Pearson, and Connor Garland, and how both guys might be interesting. Tanner Pearson, uh, eight shots in his last two games going into tonight's action against Vegas. But that's it. No points. And then Connor Garland uh, had a five-shot night uh, in the first of the home-and-home with St. Louis, and then followed that up with no shots but one assist. So, I mean, about what you'd expect from Connor Garland and Tanner Pearson. No automatic value to be found here, unfortunately, though, just because they're playing with J.T. Miller.
1: Okay, and actually, when now we were just talking about all these players that I was saying that maybe you drop like a Besser and grab someone playing Monday, Tuesday. There's three teams that do that. Like I said, Toronto, then Boston and Columbus. We've already discussed Toronto to death, but actually Boston and Columbus played each other on Saturday. So maybe let's take a look at who's doing well on either of those teams and see if the, who is that streamer over there. Uh, the Bruins won 5-2 to two, and Eric Haula is hot again. He scored two goals. He's playing on that line with Pasternak. I think it's Pretty clear to me. I know that like Jake DeBrusque also had a good game. He's playing on the Marshawn line, so I guess it's an interesting conversation. Charlie Coyle actually scored a goal, and I believe he's the one who was getting t- uh, power play time at some point. It looks like that's over now. Oh, that was just when Bergeron was injured. So yeah, forget him though. Obviously, he's still able to do something. But I think for me, I'm looking at Halla, then DeBrusque, and then Coyle, and then yes. I guess Craig Smith if you're going super deep. But you're, you're with me on that,
2: absolutely. Well, Craig Smith is now like a, a super deep cut. Um, he was more in the conversation at various points in this season but in the last few games he's playing like 14 minutes a night so I I wouldn't be so invested in him at all even though he has had one of the better runs lately of anyone in Boston he seems to be the odd one out at the moment with no deployment to really be very excited about Uh, and then like you said I would go with Eric Halla first, uh, now that what he's doing is sustainable, he's got four goals and six assists for ten points in his last six games. uh, Those four goals have come on twelve shots, so he's scoring on one of every three shots he takes, which isn't going to sustain, but what is going to sustain for Eric Halla is that he's playing with David Pasternak and Taylor Hall, and last week we were talking about how Taylor Hall is suddenly in the conversation as a top-end fantasy option again uh, now that he has someone to play with in David Pasternak, and Eric Halla gets to be there too, so I think he's someone who can go hot and can go cold but I'd prefer him to Jake debresque who himself is on this four game point streak with in during which he has six points including four goals on 11 shots so also scoring on almost one of every or more than one in every three shots he takes but uh, Jake debresque we've seen him playing 20 games with Bergeron and Martian and he's been super unproductive for a lot of it so I'm not going to fool myself over what I'm seeing over the last four games in this point streak DeBresque is on Uh, DeBresque and Haula are probably cut from a fairly similar cloth but I would take Haula who seems to have done better with his opportunities over the last few years than DeBresque has
1: yeah, I'm with you. But also, obviously, they might both be available or maybe only one of them is available. I think they're both interesting now going into at least Monday, Tuesday, and then drop for Brock Besser or someone, you know, playing on Wednesday. Like I we said, Boston plays Columbus and Detroit. So not the hardest of competitors as opposed to those Toronto streamers where, again, they're playing Tampa Bay and Florida. And then, yeah, Columbus is the other team that plays Monday, Tuesday. We have a question in the chat here, actually, from Dan Barber asking if he should stream in Charlie Coyle or Gustav Nyquist. So let's see what Nyquist has been doing here. Uh, he's been playing on a line with... Bjorkstrand and Cole Sillinger most recently in that game where they lost to Boston. Nykvist also on, I guess this is the top power play or I don't even know, Nykvist, Roslovic Benstrom. That can't be the top power play, but I guess they were mixing things around in that game for this, like looks like one power play opportunity. But uh, is Nykvist, I don't know, he's so boring to me. He's kind of like even Jack Roslovic is playing on the top line, who's someone that I think should be interesting like he's playing with line A and voracek but he's available in tier one sweden and i'm still trying to decide on who i'm gonna replace nilander with and i don't know i'm just not feeling ross Levic or or any of these people
2: yeah well nyquist is like when last week we talked about brandon Saad and how he's like this 50 50 hit and with St. Louis coming up with a, a four-game week, you should probably check out Brandon side because he's probably going to get you two points. You don't know when, you don't know where. He ended up getting like four points this week, of course, because it's the week I decided not to stream him. And, you know, there are these guys who you stream in over and over through the season to zero results that eventually you just give up on, but then they happen to somehow land on your opponent's roster at the worst possible time to take revenge on you And Saad is one of those guys for me who I gave up on. And Gustav Nyquist has also been that guy in past years for me. And also this year for me too. Uh, Nyquist has had a couple meaningful runs here, but they all seem pretty random. And I'm never really convinced that anytime he strings a, a few multi-point nights together over the course of a couple weeks, that they're going to keep coming this way. He does it but not in a sustainable way um, that makes him somebody that I'm really that excited to roster. He's at a 50 point pace this year and that's about what I expect. but I I will put him, you know, slightly ahead of the Brandon sod type where it's like a 50, 50 chance. He'll score on any given night. Gustav Nyquist probably has a a slightly better chance of putting up a point or a multi-point night than Brandon sod, but not by much. So who's, who's the choice between Nyquist and Coyle? I'd go Nyquist. I think he's a little more likely to help you out than Charlie Coyle, but both of them are extremely boring.
1: Yeah, I guess it's like for me, I'm going to say coil, but again, it's close. And a lot of times these decisions come down to like a coin flip. It's really hard to predict just these couple games. I guess Boston is playing Columbus in Detroit, and Columbus is playing Boston and Philly. And so I'd prefer, you know, to avoid that game against the Bruins, or maybe Linus Allmark has a good game. Not like he's been so amazing. But by the way, uh, Boston has announced, very convenient for fantasy managers when teams do it, they've announced Allmark Monday and Swayman Tuesday. So if Allmark's out there for you and you want to stream someone, and you can get Allmark for that Monday game against Columbus, and then you could safely drop him because then Boston will play again until Friday against Tampa. And like, who knows who will play that game. And also, do you really even want that hold the goalie just for a game against Tampa in like four days? That would be the strategy there. Uh, Brian, interesting development in Ottawa that Hunter Mooney has mentioned in our chat here that the Ottawa senators who defeated... The Detroit Red Wings today, 5-2, and they did it with a new line combination. Uh, So, Drake Batherson off the top line with Norris and Kachuk, and it looks like instead, newly acquired Matthew Joseph was playing on that line, and Matthew Joseph had three assists! What? Okay. Uh... Is it, uh, to quote Ben, is it Matthew Joseph's season now? Like, I guess Ottawa's schedule... I apologize apologize to Shane, who's probably falling asleep right now because we're talking about a team that does Wait a minute! Ottawa does play four times next week. They play Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. So top line, Matthew Joseph, who just had three assists... Is he shooting up our radar? And I guess at the same time, are we concerned about Drake? Like, you're not going to drop Drake Batherson, right? But obviously, you're a little sad that he's off the top line. But they won today. It was against Detroit, who stinks now. But uh, what are you reading into this uh, change and the success that it bred?
2: Yeah, real battle of the Titans there in that Ottawa-Detroit game. Uh, Elon, I think you failed to mention that the game prior, uh, on Friday, the first half of this home-and-home, Matthew Joseph had a hat-trick. Three goals on seven shots. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm I don't even think you mentioned it. And he had one assist in 14 and a half minutes. Uh, and this is crazy because Matthew Joseph had just four shots in four games with Ottawa before this and then he puts up the hat trick gets promoted to the Brady Kachuk and Josh Norris line picks up three assists Josh Norris has the hat trick this time around Matthew Joseph only takes two shots but why are you shooting when Josh Norris shots are all going in Uh, Joseph played over 20 minutes today which I would have to look at all his Tampa game logs that might be a career high Uh, in his career he has averaged 12 minutes at night in ottawa he's averaging 14 to 16 minutes which is a couple more minutes than he was seeing in tampa um but he was i was gonna like i was ready to talk about his hat trick and what it means going forward i was gonna say line three no power play but that's changed he's now has six points or seven points in his last two games three goals and four assists and playing on the top line I'm interested, he lines, as long as he plays with Brady Kachuk and Josh Norris on this top line. If he does go back to the third line, forget it. I'm not interested. And Drake Batherson, uh, how can you not like a guy who's uh, been over a point per game for the whole season? And I think he's earned a bunch of it. Uh, he still gets to play with Stutzla and Formington if he does hold on the second line, which isn't awful, right? It, it is a place that I think meaningful production can still come from. So don't panic too much if you have Drake Batherson.
1: Okay, I think I agree with you. But Brian, I have a tough decision to make now. If you don't mind me just asking you an advice question. Like I told you, Nilander is ill. I have a free ad for my matchup next week. I was looking at one of these Monday, Tuesday guys just thinking like I might as well get the volume. And I'm looking at your like Kerfoot's or I, I don't even know like all boring options like Vroslavic. should i just grab matthew joseph who i'll only get tuesday from monday tuesday but maybe he becomes a hold for the week i don't know everyone in the chat here is saying they're high on jo- hunter saying he's high on joseph shane is saying he's into matthew joseph do i need to jump on him because now someone in tier one's listening is about to take him <laughs> if if i don't
2: grab him right now i i don't think i'd rush that hard you have the option i think i'd prefer i mean this is crazy
1: yeah, let's compare Kerfoot, let's say. Kerfoot, that, Monday, Tuesday,
2: that's or Joseph. At.
1: But I will, to add some complication, like, I have Mikhaev on my team. I have uh, Allmark on my team. So I have, like, other drops to make. Like, I yeah. could just hold someone that I add for four games, right?
2: And would you get extra games if you don't make any of these drops?
1: Well, I was thinking originally that I would add a Monday, Tuesday person and then drop that person for, like, a Brock Besser, or someone in free agency, you know, that starts playing on Wednesday. But, you know, if the, if you say if Matthew Joseph is someone that is, like, good and then potentially, like, someone to hold for the week, then I could drop other people and just hold Matthew yeah. Joseph and get his four games, which is still pretty good. I'll take four games.
2: Yeah. The thing is that I still think Matthew Joseph is probably a middle six forward. You know, I don't think he has this huge offensive upside. I think he's, like, a, a solid player who can play a good role in the middle six, but I don't think he's a legit top liner, which, you know, after these performances, though... How do you assume he's going to be knocked off the top line? I, I'm not sure. Um, but I also don't know how he ended up on the top line, I guess from his hat trick that he had. And they're like, okay, we have a new uh, a new first-line player. And, of course, the organization, you know, wants to show off their newly acquired piece. Nick Paul traded for Matthew Joseph, was a fan favorite. So let's make a quick fan favorite out of this guy, too. There's motive. These are all the things you need to consider in the big picture. Elon, I truly, you know, the, the answer to this question is so entirely deployment dependent. Matthew Joseph could be nowhere next game. And Alex Kerfoot is likely to still be on the second line. So, you know, I, I hate it. I think it's the boring choice. I would go Alex Kerfoot. But if you want to take that big, like Matthew Joseph is the bigger swing. So this, I think, comes down to how you want to strategically play your week.
1: I see. It's like a ceiling versus floor thing. And then, so for people listening... Yeah, you except have to except
2: Kerfoot's floor is incredibly low as well. Like, his floor is no higher than Joseph's. Yeah. I guess
1: Kerfoot like likely gets a point or two uh, this week just because he plays in the top six in Toronto and they score a lot of goals. I don't know, but that, you're right. That's not that exciting. <laughs> so, okay. And it's probably an assist. Uh, by the way, uh, Shams is pointing out that, you know, I started the show with a mistake saying that the Rangers got shut out by... Philly, but I didn't realize the game was still going and actually the game is now almost done in the third, but like the Rangers have scored three goals in the third period, and so all of my concerns about them not scoring because Ryan Strom is uh, injured, I guess, I don't know, turned out fine for this period. Panarin, Zabanejad and Kopp all with goals, and even uh, Vitrano with an assist. So again, these Rangers Middle Sixers producing for you. And thanks, Mika Zibanejad, for scoring a goal for me once I've already lost my matchup to Shams, and it's not going to help. So could have used a few of those earlier in the week as well. But what are you going to do? Brian, okay, what is it, 9.30? I think we could wrap this thing up pretty soon, but I'd love to still be walking through this uh, these box scores with you. Maybe we can take a look at Minnesota versus Washington, because Minnesota is... Another one of those teams... Oh, I hope this is okay with Shane. So Minnesota only plays three times next week, but then they play four times in the final week. And Matt Boldy is injured, so there have been some new lines. Apparently Boldy is going to be evaluated for Tuesday, but the latest I saw is that he maybe won't be ready. I think the beat writer said, like, leaning towards him probably not being ready for Tuesday. So in that case, we take a look, and it's been Tyson Yost playing with Kevin Fiala and Frederick Goudreau, which already, like, Matt Boldy was cold. Uh, so I guess now we're not going to get so excited about Tyson Yost, but I guess it's just worth mentioning this deployment he's getting. I think the the main thing on Minnesota I should probably bring up is that I was very hard on Joel Eriksson-Eck. There was a show I did, I think, with Short Shifts with Ben like a couple weeks ago, and we were talking about how Joel Eriksson-Eck is now like on the third line, and like he was off the top power play. And it was just like, ah, eh, forget about this. I think I even said, like forget about him, let's move on. I don't even want to talk about him. And obviously, I that was a good anti-jinx because he scored two goals and one assist today versus Washington. So far, he also had a nice point streak earlier in this week and last week. So I think Joel Eriksson-Eck is worth noting, and maybe someone that if he was dropped because people listened to me just waving him off without maybe uh, putting in enough thought, it's, uh could, could be someone good to grab, especially for uh, four games in the finals week.
2: Yeah, you know, to be completely transparent, I also looked at Eriksson-Eck as an option coming into like preparing the show, and I looked and I was like, eh. Hey. Like, you know, doesn't really excite me, but I'll be honest. I am going to overreact to this box score where he has three, a three point night, uh, three shots and the game's not even over yet, but he's playing healthy minutes. As you mentioned, Elon, top power play, uh, his rate, his even strength line is like, Useless, And I, I guess that would be the one reason to not get too excited about this. And maybe useless is harsh, but it's a clear third line for Erickson, Eck, Felino, and Jordan Greenway, who as a line have scored three times on six shots tonight, which is why, uh, and of course, Joel Erickson have scored two of those times on three shots. So... Um, I think he's he's not a bad bet amongst all the other sort of streamers we've talked about on the show so far tonight as a as a forward option to try. Like if you're asking me, what was it, Nyquist, Coil, or Eck? I think I I would take a flyer on oh, Eck and see if he can yeah yeah. Um, To me, like,
1: Eck is, like, higher. Like, I take Eck also over Matthew Joseph. Like, I just think he's, like, a higher-end guy.
2: Well, I might have him around Joseph, especially if Joseph sticks on the top line. Like, he's not someone I'm rearranging my roster to fit in because this game has gone really well. Uh, That's what I would do if I were truly overreacting to the box scores. But he is, like, he should be. You know, when I'm planning for the week ahead, I usually look at the schedule, look at all the teams playing the most or who I'm going to get the most games from, and I go through each roster... Who the top free agents are, and like compile them into my watch list, and Eck would be at the top of that list, essentially. If we were, if I had a team to manage next week in the Cacafuego, oh. which I don't, sadly, it's okay. Don't cry for me. I'm winning my another league. I'm okay, happy. That, I'm okay I'm with saying. my performance overall. Um, You've got a good life. <laughs> yeah, everything's okay. Thanks for thanks for worrying about me, though. I appreciate it. <laughs> Uh, I think let's also go to
1: Edmonton before we sign off, because there was news that Mikko Koskinen is like injured. He has an illness or whatever, so he was out for today. I feel really bad. There was one of our patrons, Jason, was asking on Discord, like, should I make the preempt? I only have one move left for the week, and a goalie start would be really useful for me. Should I just make the preemptive move and add Koskinen? Because, like, I know the goalie game, it hasn't been announced, but if I don't take him, someone else might take him. And then a bunch of people were saying, I think, Brian, you even advised caution you were like I like to wait for a goalie start confirmation before I grab a goalie and then I had to like open up my big mouth I just chimed in and said yeah you know just for what it's worth (laughs) I didn't say like go grab him I just said for what it's worth I think it's very likely Koskinen will play because he had two good games and Mike Smith came in and stunk why wouldn't Dave Tippett or not Dave Tippett (laughs) whatever like the new coach what's his name again Jay Woodcroft yeah Woodcroft like I just assumed like for sure he would play Koskinen why would he not but I guess one reason why he would not is because Koskinen is sick so I think like my advice wasn't wrong like I think they were probably going to almost for sure they were going to play Koskinen I would think
2: Spoken like someone who mm -hmm. hasn't had this sort of heartbreak Uh, like has this happened to you this season because this happened to me where I've added the guy who like 99.9% sure is going to start and I think it's happened to me more than once this Uh, year and I ended up losing the move losing the game and I ranked like the question was in the that we were being asked on our discord was should I add a skater or a goalie for my purposes for the game tomorrow and like we all agreed goalie and then the follow up was what if the goalie's not confirmed yet and so i ranked it confirmed goalie skater unconfirmed goalie and i feel very justified now like i'm doing i just this- think like I, but i yeah. feel terrible because yeah he took the plunge and i hope he still <laughs> wins regardless or that it wouldn't have mattered right yeah
1: i'm just gonna say like I Like, injuries are hard. Like, he could have added a skater, and that skater could have ended up having an illness also, right? So I, I would feel a lot worse about the advice if, like, just Mike Smith got the start over Koskinen, like, illness aside. You know, like, I can't predict who's going to get sick. Uh, so, but anyway, I guess the advice could have been to just wait all the way until, like, the moment before the game starts and then make your ad to make sure that the player's not going to get scratched at the last minute. Anyway... All this to say that Stuart Skinner has been called up on an emergency basis, and for for however long Koskinen is out, I guess Mike Smith is the starter. He stunk in Oilers' last game, but right now they're halfway through the second. And I'm totally gonna jinx him because uh, I don't care. Uh, he, you know, he's shutting out uh, Anaheim right now. Edmonton's up four nothing. Obviously, a lot could still happen, but. Uh, Mike Smith potentially becomes somewhat interesting I, I don't really trust Mike Smith at this point but if you want a goalie that might play as long as Koskinen is out like Edmonton plays three times next week uh, against San Jose LA and then Colorado so at least those first couple of games aren't like especially scary so if Mike Smith gets the call on Tuesday I guess you can give him a try depending on who else is out there
2: just so sad like still and I can see this if I said this at the start of the season this was one of our most most controversial topics from the top of the season was my continued distrust of Mike Smith after the recent body of work. But now I, I can say it again. Uh, it's sad. It's sad to me that a team with a generational superstar, Connor McDavid, uh, definitely going to go down as, like, one of the best players ever, is playing, uh, trying to go on a playoff run with Mike freaking Smith in that, and Miko Koskinen. Like, what, what is Sco- Stuart Skinner doing to not deserve a shot at this point, I don't know. Maybe it was a travel issue today. But to me, it's just ludicrous. Like, it's it's sad. It's just kind of a waste. Um, but looking at the box score from today, I am seeing a couple encouraging signs from players who had been quiet lately. Ryan Nugent Hopkins with a goal and an assist tonight after being completely left out of a few nights of Edmonton scoring where there were goals being scored, but not with Ryan Nugent Hopkins on the ice. So it wasn't even that there were goals scored while R&H was playing and he wasn't getting in on them. There just weren't goals. And I'm not sure his lines deserved a whole lot anyway. So it's nice to see him tally again after having his managers wonder, ah, is this guy really worth holding? And Yessi Pugliarvi, also with a goal uh tonight. He's been really quiet since coming back from injury, uh, even though he's been playing with Evander Kane and Connor McDavid, where Pugliarvi has generally been reliable with. Uh, He hadn't been getting in on the action very often until now. So pull with a goal. Hopefully that's the first of several points to come
1: yeah I mean it's possible he'll probably just run hot and cold I'd imagine but McDavid's having himself a game this is why you drafted McDavid first overall in your leagues because like uh, again in my matchup against Shams where he destroyed me this week it probably helped him that he had four games from Connor McDavid and uh, you know McDavid has not been quiet let's just say that he's uh, been producing uh, better than Ryan Nugent Hopkins was before today that's for sure Uh, okay I guess uh, Matt in the chat here is asking about Kuznetsov yeah there were some line changes in Washington like Washington by the way didn't play like all week right they played Monday, they didn't play again until Sunday. We had the whole controversy, some exciting discussion in our Discord because someone dropped Ovechkin in the couple because they were in the quarterfinals. They figured that they could stream, you know, that spot and get like five games or whatever instead of just Ovechkin's one game. And then I guess a lot of people were thinking like, "Well, let's see what Ovechkin does today to decide like how bad of a move that was." And Washington only scored one goal today. And Ovechkin uh, had an assist, so I probably was ended up being a smart move, unless like you would have won your week anyway, in which case next week now you're minus Ovechkin and you don't get to move forwards. So we'll have to check in and see if that manager actually did end up winning their week because of this move or whatever, however that worked out. But regardless uh by the way the decision we decided was to let the, the the plan was never to like not let the player drop like not let the person drop Ovi like you got to manage your team how you want to manage it we were just deciding whether or not to let Ovi go into waivers or whether to just like take him off the board and not let anyone get him in the end we decided you know people have been saving their fab all year I never expected people to be saving their fab to potentially get an Ovechkin drop but I guess at this point it would have been kind of weird to say like no he's too good but we might make a change for next year so we'll discuss that we'll do we'll probably do an episode at some point right Brian where we'll discuss some a couple of rule changes maybe we could do, even do a bracket again of rule change suggestions we'll, we'll come up with something fun to do
2: oh for sure speaking of the cupful by the way kkupfl.com, uh shout <laughs> you keep out
1: recommending the cupful website even though it's like out of date i keep telling you like <laughs> why do we keep shouting out a website well, that's it's of just date? a
2: place you can go to learn a little bit more about the cupful it's okay, not fair enough. Uh, yeah that's it but don't and, sign up if you go to the, <laughs> the com and you see like sign up now you can't sign up now because okay? like, <laughs> we've had two <laughs> sign ups in the last week he's like what are we doing why are people so i've turned off the form you can't accidentally sign up anymore so i think that problem has been solved but Elon. Well, they still go to the site they still go to the site and see the link (laughs) yeah well okay they see a lot about the cupful it's a great great website we'll update it over the offseason uh what is uh what's happening in the cupful right now though Elon, you've you've referred to your situation often as having a bye in the first round of the cupful uh there are six teams in contention to become the world's best fantasy hockey manager the couple ultimate champion uh we're gonna have that field cut to four after tonight and it looks like harrison is going to pull off the six versus three upset over jordan sasquatch snipers who had outright the third best record in the division this year but couldn't uh, unfortunately, get past Harrison. Unfortunately for Jordan, couldn't get past Harrison in the first round. And, uh, short shift's host, Lewis, is looks like he's about to fall in another, uh, well, kind of an upset. Uh, he was the higher seeded team, but had an identical re- record to Brandon of brandonweeb.com, who, uh, has done so many of our logos and artwork for the show. Uh, Brandon looks like he's going to advance over Lewis. So, Elon, that means it looks like. You are going toe-to-toe with Brandon, and it'll be Marcus, former Stat Attack host, Marcus and his Phoenix Park Deer taking on Harrison. And the winners of each of those matchups will go head-to-head for the title of Kickupful Ultimate Champion. It's so exciting. If you want to see, if you want to follow these matchups and see what these rosters look like, guess where you can go? KKUPFL.com. There is a standings button along the top. If you click the beautiful... A tier one logo we have for Sweden made by one of our patrons, Edward, who's done some amazing work. You can go and see the whole league live, see the ads being made, the drops being made, the scores, what Elon's doing. Uh, Go check it out. KKUPFL.com.
1: Yeah, you can go see if I added Kerfoot or Matthew Joseph with my last ad of the week. Uh, Yeah, uh, it's going to be exciting. I'll be honest. I was kind of hoping for Jordan to win against Harrison just because then I would have played Jordan and I made a trade with him at the trade deadline where I sent him Marsh who only plays twice next week and I got back. Back in point. I also sent him Kuznetsov, so maybe it was a bit of a badly rated trade, but I did it for the schedule, and I was curious to see how it would play out if we actually played each other. But maybe it's good that I avoided so because even in two games lately, he's been completely on fire. He got, I think, another point today. Yeah, he assisted on the overtime winner by Shea Theodore. Oh, and he scored a goal. So yeah, Marshall's actually been really amazing, so maybe uh, it's okay that I avoided Jordan, but so- sorry, Jordan bad luck for you you're a really good player Jordan's one of the best players out there but anyway uh I want to talk about Washington right that's the reason why I ended up talking about Ovechkin and then we (laughs) went to the couple uh the whole news going into today was that Kuznetsov was off the Ovechkin line and that was obviously something that happened earlier this year I remember when Nicholas Backstrom came back from his injury people were really worried about how that would affect Kuznetsov and like so here it is for whatever it's worth though actually Kuznetsov did get an assist today on a goal that Ovechkin also got an assist on so I guess things got shaken up at some point in the game but you know whatever like I'm not going to be too worried about Kuznetsov he's had a really good year maybe he'll let you down a little bit but not to the point where you know he's droppable he's playing with Oshie and Mantha I think maybe an underrepresented story here is that Mantha is probably available in a lot of leagues and maybe he gets an upgrade getting to play with Kuznetsov and TJ Oshi if he stays healthy. So maybe take a look. Again, Washington's actually one of these teams like Vancouver. They don't play until Wednesday. So again, this is where you might want to strategize and get your Monday, Tuesday from... (laughs) Kerfoot again I'll throw it out there Roslovic whoever you're gonna go oh Howla on Boston and then you drop for if you can't get Brock Besser maybe you can get like a Mantha or hey if someone drops Kuznetsov then go for it so for sure
2: Kuznetsov like even if his schedule isn't the best 12 game point streak just ended and in that 12 game point streak he had four more shots several times including a couple six shot games and played almost 26 minutes one night and had a few games above the 20 minute mark which is rare for a forward um i guess he's been averaging just over 20 minutes a night this season but that's huge compared to the 16 and a half minutes a night he was averaging last year so even though Kuznetsov might lo- not look like the ideal candidate because he's not playing with Ovechkin man i would not be down on Kuznetsov especially because uh, of his continued presence on the top power play that game where he played 26 minutes almost 8 minutes of power play time sadly just one power play point i guess that's the reason why you play almost eight minutes right because you can't score on the power play to end it uh but he's a, a really fantastic option and i wouldn't shy away from like i would rather have you know one fewer game of kuznetsov uh than you know one more game of kerfoot or coil or nyquist or any of these other guys
1: yeah, I guess... Here's a trick, by the way, that you can use. If you happen to... This is a rare thing. This is kind of like what I was saying before about if you have a bye week you can do certain, like, maneuvering when you have injuries. Listen to the last Patreon cast Know what I'm talking about. Another trick check and see if you have the most fab if you're in your fantasy playoffs and you're like the Kakupful where we're a fab league where we all have a waiver budget and any player dropped and everyone has the option to bid on that player if you have the most fab of anyone still playing and don't forget the bottom couple teams may be locked at this point like certain teams may be locked that means you basically get a free drop where you get the player back for free right because you could just use all your fab to get that player so theoretically you could like if you have Kuznetsov and you have the most fab you can drop him today like on Monday like, in the couple there's a day extra, right? So you could drop him on Monday. He won't clear till Wednesday morning. Get two games. Get your Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday... Monday, Tuesday games. And then get your player back on Wednesday. You can do that with Ovechkin, right? If you have the most fab, then you're guaranteed to win. So if you happen to be in that situation, there's a little trick that you can use to get a free drop and guaranteed to get the player back, which... Uh, I don't know. It's a trick that I recommended to my brother, actually, in his division, because he's the type of player that never uses fab, because that's just not the way he plays. He just likes to go grab people at the last minute, and he actually, I think, made it through round one of the Tier 3 from Finals. There's a, there's a chance my brother could end up in Tier 1 next year, but he's going to have to really pick up his game, I think, next week. We'll see how it goes.
2: I can't wait to find out who wins Tier 1 of the Cupful and whether your brother wins his Division 2. Two Dabrowski's in the top tier? That'd be a lot.
1: The thing is, Joel was telling me that he was thinking of, like, not coming back to the couple next year. But I feel like if he, like, wins his division and earns into Tier 1, he kind of needs to, right? But we'll deal with that later. Brian, this has been so fun. I think it has been a big success. I'm not saying that we should do this every week, but for those listening, FYI, a little pat on the back for us – we didn't really prep this week like we normally do. I mean, I, I'd I be curious to know, actually, if people noticed or not, like, after you listen to the edited show, probably people on the YouTube, like the people watching live could tell, because I mean, we had to take a couple quick stops, and also they saw me writing in the chat, being like, who do you guys want us to talk about next? But as far as people listening to the edited version, Brian and I tried something a little different. I'd love to hear what you thought of the show, because it was definitely nice to not have to, like, do a, a crazy prep. But I, I'm happy to do it for the listeners, and of course for the patrons that support the show. So normally we'll go back to the standard fair, but it was a fun experiment, and Brian, I really enjoyed just shooting the s with you over this past hour and 50 minutes i'm just realizing now that you probably have something else you want to do i thought the show was about to be done but now i'm remembering that you had another thing you wanted to put into this show so i'll hand it over to you to finish things off
2: okay well elon you know at this time of year we always take a moment uh to send out our our best wishes and condolences and sympathies to Any fantasy team who has lost and is eliminated. Now we did get an interesting comment from Marcus on Twitter when I put the call out that nobody is replying to our invitation to share your knocked out playoff team's name uh, because if you've been listening all year, then you probably haven't lost. So thanks Marcus. I appreciate that. And I hope it's true. We only have a few teams, Elon, but enough to uh, for you to cue up our famous music happy father's day as long time hardcore keeping carlson listeners will know is called happy father's day i don't even know if this is like free use music
1: it's like music i found on youtube one time a long time ago uh but i can't imagine we're gonna get sued by happy father's day right so let's cue it up right now brian i guess why don't you uh get us started we'll go back and forth and pay homage to the people we've lost on our journey uh and now here we are, sadly having to say goodbye to their fantasy seasons.
2: Yeah. Uh, deepest sympathies to the manager of Baron Vladimir Larkinin, which is Lewis, who has been knocked out of the Kakupful quarterfinals.
1: Slash Gordon is the next team to go, managed by Norm. Sad story. His projected total didn't eclipse his opponent's current total. That's when he knew that he had had to accept his defeat
2: (laughs) Uh, Jupax Julian Paquette formerly of uh, Clipping Carlson uh, finished third in the regular season but uh, is out already that's a shame that hurts
1: a bunch of guys in McKinnon was eliminated last week which I guess makes sense you probably need just more than just a bunch of guys (laughs) along with McKinnon you need to also draft some other players so next year uh, try doing something differently (laughs)
2: That's what we should call the segment. Next year try doing something differently. <laughs> <laughs> uh Scotch balls. Gone. Sorry, Scotch balls. Uh, unfortunately. Patch at hurts. Figuratively yeah. and literally. Binnington. Binnington's over, right? Like after his like <laughs> like you can't start without totally blowing it. I-, I feel like his career is like on the brink after Well his
1: last start. Uh, I mean his career. He just signed, like, a long-term <laughs> big-money contract. Yeah. So yeah. I feel like he'll probably get some more chances. But, yeah, next week, hopefully, yeah, I have Vili Huso. And I also had Binnington at one point for my Cuffel team, and I decided that, you no, know, because at one point I was thinking they'll probably each play two times. Now I'm just thinking I'm going to ride Huso and hope he gets the next three starts.
2: They're going to so. need to find, like, another Ottawa who, like, bid against themselves to trade and then sign Matt Murray. Oh uh, god. Like <laughs> that's that's where Bennington's going next, but every team has a similar look. Um so sorry to Scotch Balls. Uh
1: Mr. Peanut Butter's super team. Gonna lose despite having the second most points scored in the division. Oh.
2: oh. Sucks. Next up, macaroni in a pot, which is Mason's team. We've mentioned Mason a bunch on the show. He always has good stuff to say. He had maybe the most unlucky cup full season i think there was one week where he had out of the 448 teams in the Cupful, mason had the second highest total his opponent had the first uh, or like something similar uh, it was a really rough rough luck year and it's sad that mason couldn't pull it off he started 0-6 came back to 10-12 and uh, couldn't make the playoffs even though he had the third most total points in his division <laughs> but elon you are a co-manager on his team like for commissioning reasons and uh, Mason's silver lining is that maybe he brought down your fantasy rag ranking <laughs> score, which will humble you. Because I didn't even think about that to make the playoffs. The
1: things I do for the cacuffle I hurt my rankings. Yeah, man, I do so well in fantasy, and people won't even know. Oh well,
2: that's Whatever. good. If I become, you, you if I become the, oh yeah, s-
1: that's true. I should join some public leagues hopefully i don't get a badge that says i'm the couple tier one ultimate champion if i win then no one will trade with
2: I me. i just i don't know if you joined a, a a public league like to lose i don't think you would go through with it i feel like you wouldn't be able to wait why would i join a public league to lose oh you meant to to well i thought maybe you would join some public leagues to continually hurt your score oh yeah <laughs> okay i don't see why no. <laughs> i don't think so okay uh i don't like losing
1: though I just did lose to Shams in one league, like I said, but Shams lost in the cup The house hippos could only drag their flawed roster so far.
2: And Adios, Shams. <laughs> you, you sounded uh, satisfied that, you know, Shams beat you, but you, but Shams has lost in another league. Um, Makar won't start most points for in tier seven Cowan of the cup uh, lost Worensky and Connor at a very key moment. I'm sorry. Uh, Makar won't yeah. start. And we, we didn't have... talk about Kyle
1: Connor by the way though no. uh, he might be back next week hopefully he's back by Wednesday let's hope I'm banking so. on it.
2: and then uh, just one one on Twitter uh, hit me Baruby. one more time we'll be out of the playoffs unless there was a, a miracle today that's a that's a good team name I haven't heard that one before
1: it's okay <laughs> Baruby doesn't sound that much like baby no yeah, it like doesn't a bit of a stretch bay.
2: <laughs> baby <Berube. Bebe. laughs> yeah I, I see it yeah. I get it it's pretty good Uh, Good
1: job. Not good enough because you (laughs) lost.
2: All of this on a Uh, (laughs) t-shirt. Soon we'll be collecting uh, winners' names to celebrate and uh, keep an eye out if you want your team tributed one way or the other. Uh, on our Twitter feed. Thanks for joining us this week. And just a reminder, we're doing a lot this off season. The content's still going to come just because some of your fantasy seasons are over. Our season never ends. We're going to keep tuning out the content and you can be a part of our patron community for just $1 a month over the off season. Thanks for our new special. So go to keepingcarlson.com slash patron. We do this every summer. And the idea is you get a taste, you like what you see and you just Hey, these guys are worth supporting. Um, but if you think we're worth at least a dollar a month of your support, we would love to have you join us on board dot com slash patron.
1: Yeah. And also like Brian said, the content's still coming, right? So you could subscribe, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. These beat writer interviews, Ben and I are going to go deep. We're going to ask the questions that these beat writers I've had many times go back through the history of beat writer interviews we've done over the last couple of summers. I get a lot of good question Oh, that's a good question, Elon. So you know that's that's what I live for when I'm doing these interviews, right? So if you want to hear my good questions and some very good answers, because we pick up the cream of the crop uh, to you know of who we well who will accept our invites, so like, you know we try to pick out the cream of the crop and then take what we can get. But yeah, we've had some really awesome interviews and we plan to continue it. So make sure to subscribe to Keeping Carlson. But also. Forget about the summer. Good luck next week for everyone still in their playoffs. I hope you do amazingly. Feel free to tweet at us at Keeping Carlson if you have advice questions or come hang out in our Discord. It's the beginning of April right now, so even if you want to sign up as a patron for a dollar right now and then you're like, I don't even want to pay a dollar, just cancel by the end of April and then you paid nothing, but you got to come and ask uh, Brian and I advice questions and all of our smart patrons. So come hang out. And uh, yeah, I just wish everyone the best of luck. I hope that we've helped guide you. And uh, at this point, it's probably more in luck's hands than in our hands, but we're happy to try to help uh, if we can. Brian, great job as always. I really enjoyed this show. But I think now it's time to cue the outro music. Why don't you go ahead and read us the credits?
2: All right. This episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast was presented by Dauber Hockey and powered by our patrons, including our super supporters, Tyler, Flash, Andrea, Tom, Derek, David, Rob, and Patty. Thank you to our cupful coordinator, Kevin A. Barron, our team of Coke Mishes. Thanks to Shams. has been a more... And you, Elon, for keeping the amazing stream of fantasy news rolling on GamedayTweets.com and the three essential Twitter accounts at GamedayLines, at GamedayNewsNHL, and at GamedayGoalies. Remember to tune in to Short Shifts and follow Ben Lewis through the week at ShortShiftsKK and listen to Dave Benton's NHL Stream Scheme. Follow the show notes for that and follow Dave on Twitter at NHLStreamScheme. Logo art by BrandonWeeb.com could cop full semi finalist BrandonWeeb.com My opponent, Brian. Elon's opponent? The guy who stands in the way of Elon becoming an ultimate champion. BrandonWeeb.com Outro music by Pat Roach. This episode was researched with help from Dabber Hockey, Prison Tools, Dabber Prospects, Natural Trick, Evolving Hockey, Cap Friendly, The Athletic, HockeyGoldies.org, Hockey Reference, Hockey Base, Hockey Database, Elite Prospects, NBC, Sports, Edge, and Yahoo great job as always brian uh people are gonna be
1: happy to hear lewis back on short shifts over the rest of this week so that's gonna be a lot of fun i'm looking forward to hear how lewis's vacation went and also to hear his takes on everything going on then brian and i will be back with another episode next sunday so make sure you're subscribed like i said and brian i need some good words of wisdom for you because i'm going up against brandon trying to achieve my dreams here Uh, So what should I do while I fight it out against Brandon in the couple tier one semifinals?
2: While you do that and, and aspire for your dreams, remember that there are many people with dreams of fantasy hockey glory. So we need to make sure that we do all we can to make sure that fantasy hockey is for everyone who wants to achieve those same dreams as you.